Welcome to Milkshake Monday being brought by Fordos Production. This is episode 203 and I'm Anita Helm. Tonight's title is called Growth in the Moments. Last week when I actually did a teaching, I heard myself say this expression about growth in the moments that God gives us. And I was so struck by it. And when I heard it, when I said it real time, and then I heard the rebroadcast of it, it just stuck in my spirit. And I said that I wanted to teach this week on that title because I, for weeks and months of this year, have been talking about pruning. And I'm not going to talk about pruning, but I think in the prior broadcast, it was evident that there was pruning that has been going on for some time. And pruning, as anybody understands, is a cutting of the way. It's painful, tearful, all those things that happen during grief. But I think last week there was evidence of it. And I appreciate all of your responses. Thank you all for checking on me. I was fine. It's just that you go through pruning and you have those experiences. But also in growth, which I think God is continually having me teach for myself and for others, is that you have to be humble. And what I learned about growth in the moments, and when you saw that graphic of the avatar of Milkshake Mandy under this cup, this glass cup, and she was kind of not looking like she was happy, but at the same time, she was kind of trapped because there are times that we have to really stop and not progress in what we want to do. And God gets our attention and he gives us correction and discipline and instruction for our growth, for us to increase in growth so we can go from one state of where we are to another level. And that's for his glory and for his honor. So in tonight, my favorite scripture is Proverbs 3. And we're going to start out in Proverbs 3. But I wanted you all to understand something uh, that I realized too. I have two young women that I have been the mother of since their infancy. And it's so interesting to me that when I am talking or something is happening and we're interacting that one of them will throw back a scripture that they know of the word of God to, to remind me of something of God's promises. And the other one has a way of, she just gives me a certain look as though mom, she didn't say much because you know, our dynamic is she can't say much, but she just gave a look and, or a smile or a smirk. And I just know everything that she's thinking because we've been that close. Well, imagine the Lord who has known us from our before we were even in our mother's womb, that he's known us and that the things that we think we can get away with or that we can say or think, Psalm 139 is very clear. He has searched us and he knows us. But I want us to look at this passage in Proverbs chapter three. And we're gonna start at verse seven and we're gonna go and do verses five through seven and then jump down to verses 11 through 12. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I'm reading out of the Living Translation. Verse 11 says, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. And don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Now tonight, when we do the examples, I'm going to refer back to the examples because in the first part of verses five through seven, it's going to be about not leaning to your own understanding. And I'm going to show you examples of 
Five people who you're going to see in the scriptures that we talk about, but I'm going to share with you that they had to stop leaning on their own understanding because God was showing them his understanding, what he wanted them to understand of his plan, his purpose, his glory, and his divine course of action for them. In the other passage from 11 through 12, we're going to see an example of a disciple who had some failures, but God has a way of, even when he corrects us, even when we backslide and he brings us back, it's still a way of him showing that he loves us. Now it doesn't feel good when we get corrected. It doesn't feel good sometimes, but we have to be humble. And that's one of the things I want you to take away tonight. When you are going through whatever direction you're getting ready to walk, you have to be humble enough and surrender enough to say, God, I need you to give me understanding. And when he says to you, what you're thinking is not correct, and you may be disciplined and corrected, you have to understand because of his love, he does that. Because he can let us go off course. And he does sometimes just to let us know that we can't get away with doing our own will when it comes to being obedient to him. So let's look at that scripture, but we're going to go to the first scripture of our great example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you start at Luke chapter two, verse 40, I want you to see something about the child at Christ as a 12 year old. I want you all to see something, but before he's 12, let's go to verse 40. It says, and the child grew filled with wisdom and grace of God was upon him. So it tells you two aspects of Christ's character that is even in his youth, that as he's grown, because they kind of transition from him having his circumcision, being in the actual temple where he meets Anna and Simeon, but then it starts to talk about him growing, but he was gaining in wisdom and grace as a child. So when you see that they are going and they're having this trip and that Christ is going to be found in the temple and Mary and Joseph as his natural parents go on and leave him. And then they realize that he's been left. And then it takes them three days when they come back to find out where he is. And this exchange that you're going to see in verse 46, after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Christ is deity and he's a human child at 12 years old, not even hit his teenage years yet. But in this time, because he is gaining in wisdom and has God's grace upon him, he's with people who are older than him, teachers, as they say, in the temple, and he's listening. When you and I are going to grow in the moments that God is leading us, there are times that we should keep our mouths shut and listen to those who are in the position of teaching us and the Holy Spirit who's leading us in understanding the scriptures and God's promises. And here we have a child, the Christ child at 12 years old in the temple. He's been there for three days. It took them three days actually to find him. It may have been even longer because they had to travel back and then being there it took them three days to find him. But he was listening to them and he was asking them questions. And everyone, meaning all those adults, all those learners who were supposed to know the, the scrolls and the scriptures, everyone who heard him, he started listening. 
Then he started asking questions and now they're hearing him. They heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Didn't they say he was listening to them? He was asking them questions, but then the thing changed where he started giving answers at 12. He was giving them understanding of what he knew of his father and answers to them. As they were growing, they even had to be humble because they had a child. Can you imagine being in a Sunday school and the teacher is 60 years old, 50 years old, been teaching for 40, 50 years, and a child starts to speak and expound on the word, even amazing them? This is what these grown folks were experiencing when Christ was there and having this exchange. But they have to be humble enough to listen and to learn and to grow with his understanding. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. Here's that part about leaning not to your understanding. Mary and Joseph have had the Christ child with them for 12 years. They've gone through all of the experiences that we've seen in the gospel where the angel has spoken to Joseph, told the name, told that the child is conceived in Mary's womb is of the Holy Spirit. All these things that Mary's been told how she's going to be overshadowed. So it's not that they didn't know that this is God's child miraculously conceived in her body. 12 years they know. But see, when you start to lean on your own understanding, you get comfortable, you get complacent. And this is what's happening in this next passage. It says, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father, now Joseph is his stepfather. Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. She's scolding him. She's basically trying to say, why have you done this? But look what his response. Why were you searching for me? When you're, when someone is lost, you search for them. He never was lost. They left him. He was in that temple all that time. It says, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Now, other translations, didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? But this translation says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But here's the key thing. But they, meaning Mary and Joseph, did not understand what he was saying to them. They have been his parents in the natural for 12 years. He's growing in wisdom and grace because the God is upon him. God's grace is upon him, but they were not understanding that he was evolving to become this. He was always deity that never changed, but that boy, that baby going into a boy, going into transition as he's going to become a man, he was starting to change. And his whole focus was, I came here not to be a 12 year old, not to be a regular 12 year old. Like you all understand in your human understanding, I am the Christ child. I am the child of God. But look what it says about growth after that. Verse 51 said, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Some other translation says she pondered these things. She kept these things in her heart. Verse 52 is an operative, operative word. And Jesus grew in wisdom. Some translations like New King James says he increased. 
He grew in wisdom. He already in verse 40 had wisdom that was already coming upon him. But this says it grew. He grew and increased in wisdom and stature. Now, if you have read in 2 Samuel where the Lord has said, man looks at the outward appearance and the stature. But in this case, Jesus Christ was growing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. That tells you something. Now, here's something that we're going to see. Now, we're not going to read all of the scripture, but I would like for you to go to 2 Samuel verse chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Because before we go to the main discussion, I want you to understand that David, who was a man after God's own heart, has done things that were, were wrong. He's made mistakes. Even though he's a man after God's own heart, he has done some things that he required correction by the Lord. So let's start in verse, we're going to start in verse uh, three of second Samuel six. So they set the ark of God on a new cart. That's the problem. God didn't give direction to anybody. David, who is the king, he did not give direction to David to create a new cart. He gave specific instructions in the old Testament of how the ark of the covenant is to be carried. What are the instruments to touch it and to carry it, who to touch it. And so this new cart thing was something that they came up with. And you're going to see, just like we talked about in Proverbs three, the verse beginning of five verses seven, that there's going to be some situations, some serious consequences to this. It says, and brought it out of the house of Abimadad, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abimadad, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abimadad, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps and stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. Everything seems like it's going well. They're celebrating the ark being moved. But the problem is, they leaned on their own understanding with this new cart. And now we're going to see the Lord. Let them know that's not how you do things with him. We don't have better ideas than God. Verse six says, and when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzai put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. Now in your natural understanding, you would say, he was trying to protect the ark so it wouldn't fall. He was trying to balance it so it wouldn't fall off that new cart as it was having this issue and stumbling. You can't touch the ark. God didn't want it on a new cart. He has specific people he wanted to handle it. Now verse 7. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and God struck him there for his error. And it says, and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry. Look at what's happening. I told you, you got to have humility. David's reaction that God killed that man for that action, knowing that he had something to do with the new cart. He had something to do with who was carrying the cart down. And now you have a situation that a man is dead and David gets angry with God. That's how what we have to be careful too. God will correct, God will judge, God will have an action, and we could get upset. 
and there are growth in the moments that God uses, but we don't always like the growth and the correction. It says, and David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. Then he changes from being angry with God to now he's going to become afraid. Two different emotions because the instant reaction was he's angry because he was playing all these instruments. They were having a celebration and man is dead. Verse nine says, David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? Now I can't read all of that. Y'all read the rest of it, but you see that David moved out on his own understanding. He didn't acknowledge his ways and the Lord would direct his path. And God would say, that's not what I asked you to do. Now, this next thing we're going to go to is second Samuel chapter seven. Here's what I want you to see. David is a king. He has a high position. He has a relationship with God. He's known as God, the man after God's own heart, but he did not seek the will of God, the way of God and follow the plan of God and the way that God had orchestrated how he wanted things done. And there was a consequence. It didn't happen to David. It happened to Uzzah. But David was just as his fault as Uzzah because he put him in that situation of having a new cart and having that whole circumstance happen the way it happened. But here we're in chapter seven. I wanted you to have that perspective because here we had David have that situation. Now we're going to have a situation with Nathan, the prophet. So if you start to say to yourself, oh, that's with David, that's not going to be with me. Now we're going to have a prophet. And he is somebody that has the position of the Lord. He talks to the Lord. He gets directions from the Lord. He has access to King David. There's all kinds of things here where you think he's got it going on, but does he miss it? Does he have situations of Proverbs three where he leans to his own understanding and does it acknowledge his way like the rest of us for God to direct his path? Yes, he has that situation. So when you start to grow, you have to be humbled because God is going to correct us when we think we know better than him and we get comfortable. And as you're going to see, he had been spending so much time with David, advising him, talking to him. So when things happen, he just kind of throws out what he thinks. And look what happens here. Verse one of chapter seven, after the king was settled in his palace, this is after chapter six. And the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him. He said to Nathan, the prophet, here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. That same ark that had the issue with the new cart, but David still is uncomfortable for where it is in this tent. God didn't tell him to do something different, but he's, he's having something in his mind he wants to do. Here's where the problem starts. Nathan replied to the king. Now, David is talking about the ark of God, which we just had this whole scenario happen in chapter six. It wasn't that long ago. Nathan doesn't go and inquire of the Lord before he speaks. He hears something from David and he replies to the king. Here's the thing he says back to the king. Whatever you have in, in your mind, whatever you have in mind, and then other translations say, do all that's in your heart. You can't do all that's in your heart, 
in my heart because our hearts may not be aligned to what God has in his heart, his plan. And what happens is because it sounds spiritual, it sounds real nice because this is what, this is what Nathan says to him. Go ahead and do it for the Lord is with you. Yes, the Lord was with him and the Lord let him rest from his enemies. This is you saw in that first couple of scriptures. But when does God say you do whatever you want in your own heart? The scripture says, lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. Nathan, as the prophet, you even have to acknowledge the Lord. You speak as thus saith the Lord, especially about the ark of God, which you all just saw in chapter six. It's a big deal to do anything with the ark. And you would think David would get that point, And you think Nathan would get that point, especially since Uzzah is dead. Just for touching, trying to take hold of the ark. You just can't do what you want. And even for him to say, whatever you have in your mind, go ahead and do it. That's not how God works. You have to seek him. But anyway, if you don't believe me, verse four is clear. But that night... Some translation said, but it happened that night. By the time Nathan gets back to his house and he's starting to relax for the night, God is going to come and tell him what he wants. Not what Nathan just told David, but he's going to let him know this is my plan. This is how I know the plan and the divine orchestration of what's ahead because he knows the future. He knows the past, present and future. We as man, even as his disciples, we don't know. So we have to be humble enough to ask God. And in the moments of even Nathan's growth and even David's growth from chapter six and even here, yes, that may have been what he wanted, but that wasn't what God was planning to do. And it says, but that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant. I want y'all to keep it. My servant, David, he's talking about my people. Tell him, I, I, I can't read this all for you, but go and tell my servant, David, this is what the Lord says. Not what Nathan says, not what you have in your heart, not what you think you have a mind to do and go and do like Nathan said. No, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? Are you the one? Because you didn't ask me, are you the one? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Whenever I have moved with all the Israelites, I, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? See how he talked about David was saying he's living in cedar. God is listening to all of our sayings. God knows our hearts, our thoughts are far off. And he's having this dialogue at nighttime with Nathan, his servant, who's supposed to be listening to the voice of the Lord. Now, verse eight says, now then tell my servant, David, this is what the Lord almighty says. And you all go and read the rest of that passage. Jump down to verse 11 and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people, Israel, I will also give you rest from all your enemies. This is David hearing the future from what Nathan is hearing at night. And you remember, if you look at what I spoke on in 
episode 202, what he spoke to Solomon. There's a part of that passage where he says, where God spoke to me, said to me, promised to me. This is the passage where he gets the promises from God about his future and the legacy of his descendants. And that's why it's so important to hear from God because God knows all of what's coming to our futures, in our futures. And he wants us to grow toward those futures. He wants us to become the men and women of God. You know, we can sit on the sidelines and do nothing, but that's laziness, that's apathetic, that's slothful. And he says, I need you to grow. Nobody wants to be in the fifth grade for 10 more years. We want to grow. God wants us to grow and mature and develop and receive correction with humility. You have Nathan having to receive correction. You have to have David as the king receiving correction. Why do you think Anita and, and you don't get correction? Every day, God is listening and learning what is coming out of our hearts, through our mouths, through our behaviors, through our dispositions, through our thought life. He knows it all. Now, we're going to go, and I want you all to read that whole passage of 2 Samuel 7, because what you will see is that David starts to talk about the sovereign Lord. And I'm going to go to this one verse, verse 25 and 26 through 7. And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as you promised so that your name will be great forever. Then people will say the Lord Almighty is God over Israel and the house of your servant David will be established in your sight. Lord Almighty God of Israel, you have revealed this to your servant saying, I will build a house for you. So your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. Sovereign Lord, you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy and you have promised these good things to your servant. You just see that if we just take the time to submit, to surrender. I know in our, when we were leaving church right before we were doing communion, the pastor said, let's sing the song, I Surrender All. If we could get to the point of surrendering all, I mean, really, that's a nice song, but it's not an easy thing to do in life. But if we could really start to surrender all, that's when it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. It sounds like a great scripture, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. It requires us waiting. Even when we say we acknowledge him and he'll direct our path. It's not instant. And the thing with God is he does things in his own timing. Let's jump to the New Testament. Here's another example about learning and correction. And we're going to talk about it, about Apollo. So go to Acts chapter 18. We're going to be in verses 24 through 28. The reason why I picked Apollos and many people know Apollos. I've taught about him many times and you've probably heard many years. But Apollos is like a many of us as disciples. Disciple means learner. And a lot of people that listen to Milkshake Monday, whether you click on the button or you listen to it in your own private time, you know scriptures. You've read scriptures. You prayed scriptures over your life. You've heard many sermons and teachings. You're a teacher, you're a minister, all those different things. But that doesn't mean that you and I don't have much more to learn. Every time we read the scriptures, whether you read the same scripture over and over again, the Holy Spirit can reveal more about 
the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the word that became flesh. Because we're so finite in our understanding and our knowledge and experience. And here we're going to find that even though I'm going to tell you about all the things that Apollos is well read on the scriptures and taught, he still didn't know what he didn't know, what he didn't know. And it took him being humble enough to be willing to go to fellow believers house and to learn from them. And even myself and others, we have to be humble enough that God can bring people into our lives to learn. Every day I spend time learning from teachers from the word. I praise God for the social platforms that allow us to hear other brothers and sisters teach the word of God. And it's free. It's available. It's accessible 24 hours, seven days a week. There's no excuse why any of us doesn't want to learn the word of God. So let's start in verse 24. Paul has been traveling and Aquila and Priscilla are now in Ephesus. So verse 24 says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. That's a description that's misleading. He had a thorough knowledge of the scriptures that he had been taught, but he didn't have a full understanding of Jesus Christ, even though it says he had a thorough understanding of scriptures. Remember back with a 12 year old Jesus was sitting in the temple. Those men that he was sitting with, because that time they didn't have a lot of women there. They were learning and they were amazed and astonished at the answers and the questions that this 12 year old boy was presenting to them. Here's Apollos, a grown man who was a learned man and had a thorough knowledge of scriptures. He still had to be humble because there was more growth and learning and development. Verse 25 said he had been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervor and he taught about Jesus accurately. Nothing is wrong with that. However, he still had more learning to have. So do we. Every day is an opportunity for all of us to learn. Though he knew only the baptism of John, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, and I tell you this, some of you will have the opportunity to talk in front of people and maybe y'all will be at picnics or y'all will be at different places and you start to say things. I've been in places, whether I'm at the hairdresser or I'm at the grocery store, or I'm at some place and I'll hear people talk, but I won't immediately just say something to them because I want to find them receptive and humble. Do they want to hear something that's contrary to them, which is the truth. That's why it says speak the truth in love. People have to be receptive if they say something that's outside the will of God. I remember somebody was wearing, who was a Christian woman, she was wearing an, an Egyptian cross and she didn't know what the understanding was. And she didn't understand that it was different than the cross that you wear as a Christian. They have a whole different 
pagan understanding of that cross that you see with the little dome top and it looks like it has a, a cross at the bottom and people think it's cute and fashionable but they don't understand when you wear that that's not the same as a christian cross but you can go and tell somebody that and they'll get offended who do you think you are or you can say here i'm going to show you something see what that means and then once they see what it means and they're like oh i didn't know that i didn't know that thank you for sharing well priscilla and aquila heard him and recognized he did not have a full understanding. And instead of embarrassing him, instead of making him feel small, demeaned, ignorant in front of people, he had a lack of understanding, but they did it in such a way that was discreet, loving, respectful. And they said here, they invited him to their home. That's why some people have to stop being so private and open up the houses that God has blessed us with. And you know, Priscilla and Aquila were on the move. They also had Paul stay in their house. So they were used to fellowship and they had him come to their home and explain to him the way of God more adequately. Didn't say they embarrassed him. You didn't see that he said, why y'all want me to come to, to your house? Why? I don't, I'm the teacher. Why y'all want me to come to your house? No, he was humble enough to accept the invitation by believers. And then once he was there, he listened, he learned, he allowed himself, even though he was a teacher, he was eloquent in speech, he was learned, he all had all this education, I'm sure, but he let others that were tent makers, just like Paul, teach him what he didn't know so he could grow in the moment. When Apollos, Paulus wanted to go to Achaia. The brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help. When you get knowledge and growth and wisdom from the Lord, you help in the ministry of the gospel. You help. You help to further the plan of God. Now let's go on to another example. I would tell you to read Acts chapter 19 because what you'll see is that Paul came back to Ephesus and he talked to some disciples and he found out that they did not have anything understanding of the Holy Spirit or the baptism that they received is just John's baptism. They didn't have a full understanding. So Paul came back and he gave them more understanding. So those disciples there had to be humble enough to learn that they didn't know everything. So you can read that in Acts chapter 19 verses one through four. Now we're going to go to a situation. You can go to John 21, verse 15 through 17. I thought of this because I've read the scripture many times, but there are people who have been in the walk of Christ in prominent positions, whether they have been in ministry or ministers and pulpits or deacons or trustees or, or Sunday school teachers or ushers or whatever the, the role may be. And there has been some stumbling of some kind. And they're repentant and they want to come back and be reinstated. I'm using the word reinstated. They're coming back. There was a falling of away for something to happen and they're coming back. But even then you have to be humble both sides. The people receiving them as the church body, the body of Christ as a church has to be humble enough to receive them. But the person who has wronged or had a situation has to be humble enough to repent and ask for forgiveness. In the case of Peter, we all know very 
well that he said he wouldn't leave Christ. Everybody else will, but not me. And he denied. We all know that story that he wept bitterly. And if you read the Acts and you read the Gospels, you know that Christ met with Cephas, they call him Peter, privately, one-on-one. But then in John 21, there's this, some of the Bibles say the reinstatement of Peter, but Christ had said, go get Peter and the disciples. So he immediately made sure that Peter knew he was part. But in the John 21, there's a discussion, a correction, uh, a situation that he's reinstating to say, Peter, I need to make sure you're focused. And if you read these quick scriptures, verse 15 of 21 says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, there were other disciples there, but Peter's the one that is going to be in leadership. And Peter's the one that denied. And Peter's the one with the big mouth that said that he, everybody else, but not him. And Peter was the one that said, you are the Christ. Simon Peter Son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you remember when he was at Gethsemane and three times he went to pray and he asked his inner circle of which Peter was one, stay awake and and watch with me. And he kept sleeping, sleeping, sleeping three times. And here he is this time. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know, I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Look at this emotion. Remember, David was angry. Then he was scared, afraid. Peter's answering, yes, yes. But then he gets to the scripture and it says in verse 17, Peter was hurt. Sometimes when you have backslidden and you have done something that you know was outside obedience and disobedient to God and you have messed up, you have to repent. Doesn't mean it won't hurt because sometimes you could be sorrowful, but God doesn't want us to stay in shame and condemnation. That's why Romans 8 says, therefore, there is no, therefore, no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. But Satan wants us to be feeling condemned and hold that burden. When God is saying, I'm not, you know, I remember your sin no more when you ask for forgiveness and repentance. But here Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. Jesus is making sure that he understands the commitment. That he understands that you thought you were, you had some strength that you didn't really have in the moment. But here's the growth in this moment. I'm I'm asking you the third time because I want you to know that you know that you know. Because before you thought you knew. You thought you knew yourself. You thought you knew your countenance. You thought you knew your character. You thought you knew that you would not want to save your own skin. But that wasn't the case. And here he says, do you love me? And he said, Lord. You know all things. You know that I love you. And for some of us, just like it says, you know, we have belief. Help our unbelief. He knows we love him, but he also knows that our flesh is weak. The spirit is so strong and willing, but our flesh is weak, even though Christ knows that we love him. But here's the thing I want us to take away too. Jesus says at the end, 
to Peter, feed my sheep. Just like he says to us in our growth, he wants us to feed his sheep. He wants us to tell this lost world of peoples who he is. And as we do these things, we have to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding in all our ways. Just like Peter says to him, you know, all things. That's why he says in all our ways, which are not always right. We have to acknowledge him and let him direct our path. But guess what? We got some evil folks and I'm going to end this for this reason. In Psalms one verses four through five, there will be people who don't want to hear the word of God. They don't want to grow. They want to go to church and they want to stagnate. They don't want to hear from the preacher. They think they know better than the preacher. They don't want to learn. And eventually they don't even want to go to church. They don't want to go to streaming. They want to do the things the way they want to do it. And they want to live a life that they tell God, I'm on the throne. You get off because I'm not going to do it your way. And God doesn't get off his throne for anybody, for any, for any reason. Whether you've been a deacon or a trustee or a preacher or whatever, God is the one who's sovereign. He is the sovereign Lord, as David just said back in 2 Samuel 7. But here's what the ungodly say that I want us to be cautious of because there are people that flash by Milkshake Monday because they don't got time. They don't want to. They got to watch TV. They got to do stuff they don't want to hear. And it says the ungodly are not so, but are like the chafe which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners. We live with people, know people, love people who believe that they are smarter than God and they don't need God. And I say all the time, pray for people, tell them the word of God, share the seed of the word because it's not, we don't know, but ask the spirit of God who he is directing you to go and to proclaim the word of God and spend your energy on those that God is leading you to share the message of God. And as he's asking you to grow and to develop, recognize it's for him to lead you so that other people can be saved. It is not his will that any should perish. But as we grow in these moments, he's growing us up because he wants us to bear more fruit and the pruning and the painful things that we're going through is to bear more fruit, not to vegetate and stagnate. And if you are not growing in the word of God, in your knowledge of who, his, who he is and the promises and reading and studying his word, and you just say, I've done it, I'm done. Nobody is graduated when it comes to the word of God. We are always learning. We're supposed to be ever learning. But there are people who really their hearts are far from God, even though they're just, they can quote you 50,000 Bible verses, but their hearts are far from God. And God knows that. And if you spend time with people that don't love God or want to hear from God or want to study God or want to be sensitive and humble and know that we're all being corrected and we're all the disciples learning of him. And you find these people that are so big headed that nobody can tell them anything. You got to be careful. Because we are all learners of God and he's always teaching us. And the spirit is always leading us to learn more and more about the son of God. And I thank you all for your patience tonight. I thank you for your prayers. And I just continue to ask all of us who are under the sound of my voice, 
We need you to share the message of Christ and to tell people about who Jesus Christ is because things are getting more evil every day. And it's not about me, but share the gospel. I, I, could, I was really shocked last week that I had more shares and I don't know if it was because of grief that people wanted to do or they wanted to see me cry, but I had more shares than I've had in the four years that I've been doing this. And I don't know what that was, but I pray it was because of the word of God and that people wanted to learn of God. And I just asked you that to remember that the harvest is right. People are ready to hear the love of God, the message of God, the truth of who Jesus Christ is. We are his body. We have to share his love and his truth and his mercy and his grace and his kindness to everyone that the spirit of God leads us to. I love you and I thank you for your sharing of the word of God and continue to be in prayer for uh, myself and the ministry of Four Productions. Love you and God bless. See you next week, Lord willing.